Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning, everybody. I'm David Holt, one of the pastors, and encourage you to take out your sermon notes that are on the back of the uh, announcement flyer. And before we get into the message today, I just want to say it's great to have those of you in the room, those of you watching online. We're going to worship through our virtual offering right now. There are offering boxes if you have a paper offering, but we encourage you to really uh, give electronically. It's easy, and it's helped you be more consistent. And also, I want to bring a need before you before we dismiss our kids. Um, Barnett uh, Shoals Elementary School has contacted us, and they have 10 children who need a place to come and use good internet and connect with their virtual class. Our chapel on our property is a perfect uh, place for them to do that, but for this to occur, we need uh, a good number of volunteers who could give three to four hour slots Monday through Thursday. Um, so if you are available just to come and love on these kids and provide minimal supervision, uh, would you contact Kathy Hayes? Uh, we'll see if God raises up enough people where we can bless our community in this way. Some of you might have that time on your hands. Hey, a huge uh, congratulations. We have a new baby in the church. Olive Grace Scoville. Yeah, so congrats to Eric and Shelley. And at this time, children that wish to go to Children's Church can go out that way with Miss Kathy. You're in the Generations Building today. First Sunday in the Generations Building. Not that our project is complete, but there's enough over there for you to, uh, the children to have that time, ages three through fifth grade, three years through fifth grade. Let's pray together. Lord, as we come before your holy word on this incredibly important topic, I thank you for your Holy Spirit. I thank you for the power and the presence of the third member of the Holy Trinity, the Holy Spirit. So we invite you, Holy Spirit, to come now and to anoint your word so that it's this double-barrel, powerful combination of word and spirit applying to our lives that we might forever be different because of this message in the name of Jesus and all who agreed said. Amen. All right, well, as we continue our mission's emphasis, and our theme is mobilization, I want to share today about the greatest mobilizer ever, and that is the Holy Spirit. I believe this might be the most important message that you ever hear, and I don't say that lightly. So in the book of Acts, we're going to look at the first eight chapters. There's a lot more, but we're just going to limit ourselves to the first eight chapters today. And the reason that I believe this could be the most important message you ever hear is in 1947, Billy Graham was preaching at the Los Angeles Crusade. And he said this, listen closely. He said, the greatest need for the church of Jesus Christ today is that those who profess the name of Jesus be filled with the Holy Spirit. I believe that's still the greatest need. Those who profess the name of Jesus, those who are even genuinely saved, but are not filled, empowered, and energized by the Holy Spirit. Bill Bright, founder and president of Crew, once said if he had one chance, he was about to die, he could only share with one person, and he had a non-believer that he could share the gospel with, and he had a believer that he could share what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He would share with the believer what it meant to be filled with the Holy Spirit, because if he gets filled with the Spirit, he'll share with the unbeliever. This is what made the difference in the Apostle Peter. For he was a coward, he denied that he knew Jesus, and then came Pentecost. And he was filled with the Spirit, and he went from being a coward to being a courageous proclaimer of Jesus Christ. 
This is what has made a difference in so many people's lives. From Bill Bright to Billy Graham to John Wimber to Wayne Grudem to Jim Cimbala to Jack Deere to William Seymour, the Great Awakening, the Pentecostal movement, the Charismatic movement, the third wave of the Holy Spirit, any great movement of God, I submit to you, has been because of the power of the Holy Spirit. Made a difference in my life. My first few years of following Jesus was characterized by fervency, yes. Desire, yes. Spending time in the Word, yes. Disciplined, yes. Doing everything I could to be obedient, yes. But I was not filled with the Holy Spirit. And when I learned what it meant to be filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit and began to ask the Holy Spirit every day to fill and empower my life, I began to see greater boldness. I began to see greater victory. And I began to see greater joy. Because it's God's life living through us instead of us trying to live for Him. There's an enormous difference. There's an enormous difference, my friends, between trying hard to live for God, doing it in your own strength, in your own energy, and allowing the life of Jesus, the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, to be lived in and through you. And I pray God gives you revelation for that today. Because some people, they'll just let a message like this go right over their head. They think they know it, but they're not experiencing it. I submit to you, are you experiencing what the book of Acts speaks of? Are you experiencing the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, faithfulness? That, my friends, is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's not the fruit of trying hard. It's not the fruit of self-effort. It's not the fruit of your flesh. It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. In Galatians 2 and 20, it says, I no longer live, but Christ lives in and through me. Paul said, I live by faith in the Son of God. It's the life, the internal presence and person of the Holy Spirit that begins to well up inside of you and live his life through you. One of the things they're finding in these fires right now in California and out west is that right when they think they have the fire out from the, ex, from the, ex, from the outside, there is in many of these trees that have caught on fire an internal combustion that they think they have it out, but only to find out later that that internal combustion that is inside that tree begins to burst forth and there's another fire and it'll destroy hundreds of acres. I submit to you, my friends, that's a lot like the Holy Spirit. People can try to put that fire out Opposition can come against you. All kinds of things can be surrounding you in the world today. And the world, the flesh, and the devil will put their fire hoses on you. And just when it, they think you're out, that internal combustion of the Holy Ghost begins to erupt out of you. And you are a flame for God. Now as we talk about this topic of mobilization, what better book to look to than the book of Acts? Because those believers were mobilized and boldly proclaim the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ. And so that's why I've chosen to call this the mobilizing Holy Spirit. A march from Acts 1-8 to Acts 1-8. But it will actually begin in Acts 1-4. Jesus tells his disciples, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised. Now this is an interesting comment because Jesus had given them the Great Commission. He told them to go into all the world and make disciples. Pretty important task, would you not say? And you would think, he would think that he would say, hey, as soon as I ascend, go at it, guys. Go on and blow in and do it and, and move it and let's go. Get the task done. But he said, no, don't try to mobilize without the mobilizer. 
don't try to do this without him. And that's our problem today. We have tried to do the task. We have tried to do the mission without the mobilizer, the Holy Spirit. My friends, if you try to live the Christian life in your own strength, in your own flesh, I'll give you about two, maybe three years. You will burn out. You will give it up. You'll say, this doesn't work. Well, this doesn't work, doing it on your own. It's only in and through and by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And so what he was telling them was, wait until you're empowered with my Spirit. This is why in the Gospels he said, it's to your advantage that I go away, because when I'm here, I'm only one place at one time, but when I go away, the Holy Spirit's going to live inside of every one of you, and you're going to be able to do more than I was even able to do because of my Holy Spirit. Not more in terms of quality. You can't outdo a resurrection, raising Lazarus. It's outdo my work in quantity. You'll be able to take this into places that I never physically went. That's the privilege we have in ministering for God. Then in Acts 1.8, we have this great promise where Jesus said, you'll receive power. That's the word dunamis in the Greek from which we get dynamite, an internal, powerful presence. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. When does he come on you? When you're saved. So you can be saved but not filled. Did you hear me? You can be indwelt but not filled. The difference is this. When you're indwelt, the Holy Spirit is resident. When you're filled, the Holy Spirit is president. It doesn't, it's not that you get more of God, He gets more of you. And when He gets more of you, more of Him gets manifested out of you. That's what it means to be filled. So He says you'll receive power, and what will happen when, you're, when you receive this power, when you allow the Holy Spirit who lives within you to be released out of you, you're going to be my witnesses. That's the word martyr in the Greek. And they were martyred. And it's going to be in Jerusalem, that's where, you're, that's where you currently live, and then it's going to expand. He's going to mobilize you, he's going to move you to go from there to Judea, and then to Samaria, and Samaria were the half-breeds. That's where there was a lot of racism and a lot of prejudice. They did, the Jews looked down on the Samaritans because they weren't the pure Jews. And so he'll take us out of our comfort zone, hello, to go places where we've never been for his glory, even among people that we may not be comfortable with because the Holy Spirit can oversee all of that and supersede all of that. And then he says to the ends of the earth. Let me show you a little diagram here that shows this. They were to go from where they were in that area of Judea, is that area south, and then Samaria is the area in red, and then there's arrows going out to the ends of the earth. This is another way of looking at that where you see that it's always to take it out beyond the, the, where you are. That's the work of the Holy Spirit, to take that good news, to take it to the nations, to take it where we're not comfortable. Then what happens? Well, in Acts chapter 2, you have the day of Pentecost. Now, this is interesting because people had come from all over to Jerusalem. It was a, it was a feast in the Jewish calendar called the Feast of Weeks. It was where they celebrated God giving them the Torah on Mount Sinai. This is cool because you have word and spirit. <laughs> they were celebrating a feast about God giving them the word. And yet it was going to be in that feast that the Holy Spirit was going to come. It was seven weeks after Pentecost. It was seven weeks after Passover. Thus 50 days after, Pentecost, or after Passover. Thus we have Penta, five, cost, Pentecost. So let me show you this map where again it shows that people were coming from all over. And all those groups or nations that are mentioned in Acts 2, this is where they were coming from. Look at how much God was at work 
to bring these people to Jerusalem for this celebration at the very moment he's going to release the Holy Spirit on the 120. They're going to be allowed to supernaturally speak in tongues, preach the gospel in languages they had never studied. These people are going to get saved and go back to those places. That, my friends, is called mobilization. (laughs) God's sovereignty orchestrating these people coming from these nations to Jerusalem, and it's there the Holy Spirit's going to come, they're going to be touched, and they're going to hear the gospel, they're going to be saved, 3,000 saved in one day, and they're going to go back to these places. This is similar, I suggest to you, to what we have today with international students coming to America. Think about this. We have today, in Athens, Georgia, 2,793 international students that come here to go to the University of Georgia. Now at Pentecost, they came not knowing the language of those in Jerusalem, and God supernaturally gave the gift of tongues where they spoke their language and they heard the gospel and went back. With international students, we have an even better equation. They come here knowing our language. And they, if they get saved, they're going to go back, and they're some of the brightest and the sharpest. They're going to go back to their country knowing that country's language and culture and able to better reach that country than you and I would. Do you think this might just be the sovereignty of God? I do. Those 2,793 students that are here represents 122 countries. Now, to your right is what this map that we've gone over many times. Look, please, with me. To your right. That's the map of the world. That rectangle is what we call the 1040 window. That's the area of the world that is the least evangelized and has the least access to the gospel of Jesus. Notice how many living hope icons are in or close to that region because we have committed 70% of our overseas missions giving to the 1040 window. Now, that 1040 window, according to the Joshua Project, there are 66 nations in or people groups in that 1040 window. Guess how many of those 66 nations are represented right here in Athens, Georgia, right now through international students? 36. 36 of those 66 nations in the 1040 window are right here in Athens right now. What a strategic ministry. When you see an international student, reach out, befriend them, have them in your home. Many international students come to America and never have an experience in an American home. That is a tragedy, and that is an assault on the church of Jesus Christ. Now, we have a ministry through Lynn Bryant that we support, and before COVID, she was having these events in our chapel called Snack and Chat. Of the 120 international students that came to Snack and Chat, 84 were from the 1040 window. Folks, if that doesn't charge your spirit and cause you to say God is on the move, I don't know what will. The Holy Spirit is working, and he has given us an amazing opportunity. Now, in chapter 2, verses 17 to 21, because this unusual experience where they speak in tongues, they preach the gospel in a language they did not know, people start freaking out. Now, that still happens today. People start freaking out when the Holy Spirit does things that shatter their comfort zone. The Lord loves to do that. The Lord loves to shatter people's comfort zone. Jimmy has a great quote. 
The Holy Spirit will offend your flesh. <laughs> I love that. He will. So if you want to stay in your comfort zone, if you want everything to be easy and greasy and all that, uh, don't follow the Lord, okay? Because he'll mess with your stuff. And he'll make you, and I want to tell you something else. I'm going to prophesy this morning. I tell you what, what we saw in Washington, D.C. yesterday, if you don't know what happened, then you got your head in the sand. 50,000 believers were gathered in Washington yesterday. Jonathan Kahn had this event called The Return. From 9 a.m. to 9 p.m., it was a call to repentance, to revival, crying out to God. There were prophetic messages. There was worship. There was prayer. At the same time, Franklin Graham had a march, a prayer march in Washington. And it's unbelievable. I'm telling you what, if you don't know about this, then you're probably looking too much at sports, probably looking too much at news, and not following what God's up to in our nation. You better go and watch this. You need to watch Jonathan Kahn's message yesterday. It was like listening to the prophet Jeremiah. I tell you what, Franklin Graham gets up, he looks over, Vice President Pence is there. He didn't even know he was going to show up gives him the mic. He, pre, he shares like 10 verses of scripture. It was unbelievable. People crying out to God. And I'm telling you what, I believe because of the sins of this nation, we are on the verge of God's judgment. I really do. I'm going to probably preach through the book of Haggai next. It's a book about the shaking of the Lord. God's shaking the nations. God is shaking this nation. And the blood of abortion is crying out from the roots of our nation. The blood of abortion is crying out. We deserve the judgment of God. And the only thing that's going to keep that from happening is Christians being filled with the Holy Spirit, repenting of sin, and getting on our knees, and crying out to God. And so I believe the floodwaters are rising. Listen, I believe the floodwaters are rising. And if you're not walking with Jesus, and if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, you are going to drown. But if you're filled with the Spirit, walking with Jesus, obedient to his word, guess what you get to do? You get to ride, you get to ride on the kayak of God. And that ride is going to be scary. And there's going to be waters that are going to freak you out. And you're going to wonder if you're going to tip over at times. But if you stay filled, stay obedient, stay in the word, stay in a local church, you can rise above that flood, you can ride those waters, and you can see God move in power. That's what I want. I don't know about you, but that's what I want. The time is too short to mess around, living in the flesh, living in the world, living for Satan. Tell you what, you better get right with God. The Holy Spirit is moving, and he'll go right over you if you're not locked into him. And so in Acts chapter 2, Peter is having to defend this, this, this weird experience. <laughs> and I love this. How does he do that? Preaches the word, word and spirit. Never divorce the two. Never divorce those two. So what does he do in chapter 2, verse 17 and following? He quotes from the book of Joel. He says, look, guys, I know this is weird. I know it offends your flesh, but hang on. It's right here in the Word. <laughs> Let me take you back to the Old Testament. In the book of Joel, it says, I'm going to pour out my spirit, and I'm going to do some things that are going to seem a little weird. There's going to be sons and daughters prophesying. No gender distinction. Young men are going to see visions. Old men are going to dream dreams. Some things are going to happen that are supernatural. It's, it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter what gender you are. Even on my servants, it doesn't matter your socioeconomic status. Men, women, I'm going to pour out my spirit. Prophecy, signs and wonders, and all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Woo! It's for everybody. It's for everybody who wants it. It's for everybody who asks for it. 
for everybody who repent of their sins and get right with God and walk close with Him. Folks, this is for you. It doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman, a child, old person, if you're a, a, a manager or, or low in the company. That's all fleshly stuff. The Holy Spirit get, rises above all that fleshly stuff. He wants to pour Himself out upon the least expected person. So I say this about the importance of word and spirit. The word without the spirit will be dry up. It'll be dead orthodoxy. The spirit without the word, it'll be blow up. <laughs> Things will get out of hand. But the word and the spirit grow up. How about you? I want to grow up. Hello, church. Living Hope, do we want to grow up? Want to be mature, faithful, obedient disciples of Jesus that don't get turned and swayed by the things of the world? We are living in unprecedented times. And you and I can rise above all of that only if we're living in and through and by the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. Then in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, he gives them a simple prescription. Repent, be baptized, and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's all over this book. Then in chapter 2, verses 41 and 47, 3,000 get saved. They form the early church. And begin, we're going to begin a four-week series next week before I preach Haggai on the, the importance of the local church. What should the local church look like? Then in Acts chapter 3, I love this. We have a, the healing of the crippled man. And I love this phrase in chapter 3, verse 6. They come upon this guy, and he's begging for money. And, and they said, Peter and John say, silver and gold I don't have, but what I have, I give to you. What did they have? They didn't have money. I mean, he was wanting money. They I'll tell you what they had. They had the active presence and power of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I love this. They're like, look, I don't have what you really want, but I have what you really need. <laughs> I don't have what your flesh is, is desiring for, but I got what your spirit longs for, and it's the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, get up and walk. And he's healed. He's healed. Now, I know God doesn't do that anymore today. You know, that's, that's from some bygone era. You know, that, that ceased with the closing of the canon. That's about the most ridiculous theology I've ever heard. Well, that happened then, Pastor. But today, we got, we got commentaries. And, and we got all these teachings. And we know better. It, that, don't, that don't happen anymore, Pastor. Well, it won't happen to you. I guarantee you that. <laughs> you don't believe it, it won't happen. Last I checked, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hello. And, and, and if he quit doing it, then he stopped being who he is. And he ain't stopped being who he is. He's the same. He's looking for believers who will be empowered daily, who will cry out to him, who will ask him to do mighty miracles. I believe he still does it. Now, after this miracle, they were mobilized, and they get in trouble. <laughs> chapter 4 verse 3 they're put in jail church now has grown to 5,000 and I submit to you this how will you respond if you're persecuted they were put in jail did it cause them to retreat and say well this doesn't work it's kind of not turning out like we thought throw in the towel no they actually got bolder I just want to say this we need to be ready in America. I pray it doesn't happen. 
but I'm afraid it's going to. We need to be ready, Christians, for persecution. There are already some that are trying to make it a hate crime to preach what the Bible says about certain sexual immoral practices. So they bring Peter and John in for questioning, verse 7. And then in chapter 4, verse 8, <laughs> it says, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, notice that the manifestation here is speaking boldly, which is the most common manifestation in the book of Acts for the Holy Spirit's filling. Bold proclamation of the gospel. He goes on to preach, rulers and elders of the people, and he preaches the word. Now wait a minute. Hold on, time out. Was Peter one of the 120 at Pentecost? Hello? Not a hard question. Yes, thank you. Okay. Peter was in the upper room at Pentecost. So he was filled in chapter 2, right? He's filled again here. Hang on, he's going to get filled again. So just, just hold that thought. So he's filled, and he speaks. Then in chapter 4, verse 18, they command them not to preach. Chapter 4, verses 19 and 20, they say, no can do. <laughs> we'll speak no matter what you say. They did not allow human leaders or governmental authorities to keep them from obeying God. Hello. What are we going to do? What are we going to do when the government or local authorities tell us you got to hang the rainbow flag or else you'll lose your tax-exempt status? Amen. Now, do we love gay people? Yes. But is homosexuality a sin? Homosexual sex? Yes. The, the temptation toward that is not necessarily sin. Just like the temptation toward somebody married to have sex with somebody they're not married to the temptation to commit adultery is not sin, but what you do with it is sin or not. Hello? You're not born that way. Okay? Then they pray this bold prayer in Acts 4, 29 and 30. And we ought to pray this prayer. When's the last time you prayed this? Chapter 4, verse 29. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. They prayed for boldness and signs and wonders. When's the last time you prayed that? I prayed it Friday night when we did our Zoom prayer for mission. I prayed God give us boldness, and God would you accompany your word with signs and wonders and miracles. Then what happened? They pray, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, verse 31, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word boldly, mobilized. Okay, <laughs> Peter's praying this prayer. Peter was filled in Acts 2, right or wrong? Peter's filled in Acts 4.8, yes or no? Peter's filled in Acts 4.31, yes or no? Wait, wait, three times in three chapters, Peter's filled? I thought it was just a once and for all deal. No, it's not. You and I, just like Peter, need to be filled every time we face a challenge, every time we face an opposition, every time we face a task before us, every time I preach on Sunday, every time I counsel anybody, every time I write something on social media, every time I'm with my wife, every time I'm with my kids, every time you're with whoever, you need to be filled with the Spirit. It's a repeated experience. A.W. Tozer was asked once, do you believe in a second experience subsequent to salvation called the baptism of the Holy Spirit? He says, yes and a second, and a third, and hundreds besides. <laughs> Why limit it to a second experience? 
You know, I have people tell me all the time, well, I was filled with the Holy Spirit in 1973. I spoke in tongues. I say, that's great, man. What about today? How are you treating your wife? When's the last time you shared your faith? Well, I was filled with the Holy Spirit in 1973, and I spoke in tongues. That's great. That's awesome. But, dude, if you're, if you're being unkind to your wife, if you're not sharing your faith, I don't put much stock in what you, had, what you experienced in 1973. It's today that we need to be filled. It's tomorrow that we need to be filled. It's next hour I need to be filled. The filling of the Holy Spirit is a moment-by-moment repeated experience whereby God's power lives in and through you, gives you the grace to do what you need to do, and supernaturally manifests His presence daily, moment-by-moment. Then we move to chapter 5. Lots of interesting things there. In verses 12 to 16, there's signs, wonders, and miracles. This seems to repeat itself. Believers were added. This seems to repeat itself. And God gave them a church that loved each other. They saw the manifest presence of God. It's just this beautiful unity. A church that's filled with the Spirit will experience a tremendous unity and love for one another and those outside the church. They're told again not to preach, and in verse 29 they respond, we must obey God rather than man. Many attempts to silence them, like we are seeing in our country today, hello, many attempts to silence Christians will not be successful when Christians are filled with the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Now we must do it in love, we must do it in kindness, we're not to be obnoxious or rude or anything like that. But just because authorities tell you not to proclaim the good news should never stop you and me from proclaiming the good news. And then in Acts chapter 5, verse 32, it says, We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit. I love this because it shows this partnership. It's not all God, and it's not all us. It's us and God. Now, there's times when God works over our head. He does it regardless of what we do, like giving Muslims dreams and visions of Jesus. But the normal way he works is through his church. We are his hands and his feet. We are his ambassadors. We are the body of Christ. He's the head. He sends the signals. He sends the power and the energy. But we are the hands and feet. And we do his bidding. It's this beautiful partnership. And when you enter into that partnership, which is part of being filled with the Holy Spirit, it's this, it's this amazing thing because you do serve and you are faithful and you give it your all. That's why I've been a pastor for over 35 years. I labor, I pray, I labor faithfully. I give it everything I have in the power of the Spirit. But at the end of the day, I sleep well. I sleep well because I understand that I can't convert anybody. I can't heal that marriage. I can't ultimately make people like Jesus. I release you to God. I work hard and I trust that the Holy Spirit is the one who ultimately is working in you and stirring you and moving you. I don't want to try to create something in my flesh. That would be an Ishmael. I only want the Isaacs of the Spirit. And so he says, we're witnesses, and so is the Holy Spirit. I love that. Then in chapter 6, Something started happening that often happens today. Things haven't changed much. People start complaining because their needs weren't being met. And they were being overlooked in the serving of tables. So what do they do? They established the first men's ministry deacon team to serve tables so that the apostles could devote themselves to the word and prayer. And you would think for just a task like serving tables, you know, you just find somebody that's breathing. 
and willing. It doesn't matter if they're really walking with God, right? I mean, it's just serving tables. You're just distributing food. How, 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 you know, you can just get anybody, right? Wrong. <laughs> what were the qualifications to be a, a deacon? Well, we see that in Acts 6.3. Choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. Woo! They required the filling of the Spirit for serving tables. They wanted everybody who was in the church, everybody who was serving, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So Stephen is one of those. And in Acts 6, verse 5, how does it describe Stephen? It could have used a lot of words to describe Stephen. It says, they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Mm. Wow. Of all the things it could have said about Stephen, he's full of faith and he's full of the Holy Spirit. Faith comes by what? Hearing. And hearing by what? The Word of God. Again, Word and Spirit. <laughs> Then in, in verse 8, it says he was full of grace and power, doing great wonders and signs. And then in chapter 6, verse 10, they could not stand up against his wisdom or the spirit by which he spoke. Again, word and spirit. Now, I love this. Listen closely. I see Rich Suplita as a guy like this. I mean, you need wisdom. You need knowledge. You need theology. You need training. Read books, man. Go deep. I'm all for that. I got a doctorate. But that without the Holy Spirit, it's just dry bones. And so he had both. I love that. He had wisdom. I mean, he was able to expound from the Old Testament. He could bring in things from their culture. He was able to apply the gospel to things that they, it just blew them away. And, and he was filled with the Spirit. Man, that combination is awesome in the hands of God. We need more people. Professors, evangelists, apologists, nobleman ministries, Dustin, Many of you in the room, you've got that knowledge. Combine it with the Holy Spirit. College students, you ought to be the best in your class. You ought to be top in your class. That should be your goal. But do it in the power of the Spirit. Be a nurse who can be amazing with patience and then bring the Holy Spirit into that room and give words of knowledge and wisdom and see supernatural healing in that hospital room. How cool would that be? Then they accuse him of having bad theology. Because <laughs> they say, oh, he's preaching against Moses. Chapter 6, verse 14. He's preaching against Moses. <laughs> By the way, a religious spirit will always try to squelch the Holy Spirit. Ooh, listen to that. A religious spirit. People who want to nitpick things because they're not comfortable with what's going on. That's a religious spirit. They aren't really hungry for God. They just want to be critical of things that aren't comfortable to them. And so in, they, they accuse him of bad theology. So what does he do in chapter 7? You can read this on your own. What does he do in chapter 7? He just preaches the Old Testament like you wouldn't believe. He gives them all this rich theology about how God had worked in the Old Testament. And you circle Moses. Ten times he mentions Moses by name. Because he was accused of preaching against the, the correct Moses theology. So he says, no, I'm preaching what Moses was all about. And it was salvation in Jesus Christ. And it says, and then he says, you're resisting the Holy Spirit. You're resisting Jesus. They're pierced to the heart. Their flesh arises, and they stone Stephen. Wow. Chapter 7, verse 55. Right before Stephen is stoned, and we had already heard that he had been filled, right? He, was, he had to be full of the Spirit to be a deacon. But look, he's filled to die well. <laughs> 
We need the filling to live well, and we need the filling to die well. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven, saw the glory of God, and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. What do you find strange about that last description? Why is Jesus standing strange? Because he's normally described as seated at the right hand. You catch that? Jesus was so honored by how Jesus was so honored by how Stephen died, he gave him a standing ovation to welcome him into heaven. What ovation will you get? What ovation will I get? Will we hear well done? Or will we do what's in, described in 1 John, shrink in shame at his coming? That's talking about believers, by the way. I don't understand fully what that means. It's in the Word of God, though. It says some will shrink in shame at his coming. Beloved, if ever there were a time, you better be locked into Jesus. You better be obedient to the Word of God. You better be filled with the Holy Spirit. It is now, lest you drown in the flood waters that are rising in our country. Then we'll stop in chapter 8, but what we see in chapter 8 is very interesting. Persecution comes. Chapter 8, verse 1. Saul was there giving approval to their death. That, by the way, becomes Paul. Saul becomes Paul. Read that on your own. I challenge you to read the rest of 8 and the rest of Acts on your own and just, just highlight every time the Holy Spirit's mentioned. 8-1. And on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered. Now notice where they were scattered. Throughout Judea and Samaria. What's that remind you of? Acts 1.8. You'll receive power when the Spirit comes. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth. Some have suggested that the church became so comfortable they weren't going where they should have gone and it took persecution to get them out of their comfort zone so that they would go to Judea and Samaria. I don't know if that's true or not. But I do know this, sometimes God shakes us out of our comfort zone to give us opportunities to minister where we would not have otherwise ministered. So if you're going through a tough time, if you're going through a rough time, if you're going through a trial, if you feel like you're being persecuted, if you look at this from God's perspective, it might be to elevate your influence for his kingdom. But if you're just focused on yourself and you get on a pity party, then you will forfeit the opportunity that God may have in front of you to minister more effectively. Sometimes he shakes us, and that's going to be the theme of Haggai when I preach through the shaking. God is shaking the earth. God is shaking his people. God is shaking the nations. And one of the, ways, one of the reasons he shakes people is to get them out of their comfort zone that they might minister where they otherwise would not have. So verse 4, those who had been scattered, what did they do? They get on a pity party, they lick their wounds, they feel sorry for themselves, retreat into a monastery and say, well, we're not going to do this thing called ministry anymore because it's too uncomfortable. Just the opposite. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Christ there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the miraculous signs he did, they all paid close attention to what he said with shrieks. I've experienced this. Evil spirits came out of many. Many paralytics and cripples were healed, so there was great joy in that city. I love this. Look closely and we'll close with this. That there was boldness, there was signs and wonders, and there was joy. You have gifts of the Spirit, fruit of the Spirit, all in one. 
word and spirit, manifestation to boldly proclaim, signs, wonders, and miracles, and the fruit of joy. Now, there's so much more in Acts, and I encourage you to trace the continual movement of the Holy Spirit. But beloved, aren't you glad for the Holy Spirit? Oh, beloved, aren't you thankful for the person and the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit? Aren't you glad that there's a power within us if you're a believer that's greater than any challenge or struggle or temptation you face? He comes to give you gifts. He comes to give you the fruit. He comes to work in you. He comes to give you power when you're weak. He comes to encourage you when you're struggling. He comes to give you boldness. He comes to help you in whatever way you need. Now let me conclude with these three quick points. So many things I could say about the Holy Spirit, but number one, the Holy Spirit empowers us to live for Jesus. In Romans 8, verses 9 through 11, it says the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead is living in you if you're a believer. He comes to work in us. He comes to work through us. Number two, the filling of the Holy Spirit will manifest in many ways. It may be tongues. It may be prophecy. It may be a dream or a vision. It may be just greater love, joy, and peace. What we do is we leave the manifestation to God. Let Him manifest however He wants. But I pray you'd be so hungry for the Holy Spirit, you would cry out, God, fill me. And God, manifest that however you want. Today, tomorrow, the next day. You want to give me the gift of tongues? I'll receive it. You want to give me prophecy, wisdom, knowledge? Oh, God, I need you. Fill me, Lord. Empower me, God. Consume my life. That's what we need to pray. And finally, be filled with the Spirit every day every day we've seen this the repeated fillings and acts and the best verse jeff if you come on up please the best verse to really describe the repeatedness of the filling is ephesians 5 18 and by the way christian this is a command this is a command just like don't commit adultery this is a command just like be holy for i am holy <laughs> this is a command just like meditate on the word day and night here it is do not get drunk with wine but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Why would he compare and contrast drunkenness with the filling of the Spirit? I'll tell you why. When a person is drunk, they are controlled and empowered by the alcohol. We call it DUI. If they get caught drinking and driving, it's driving under the influence. The alcohol is controlling them and empowering them. In the same way that a person who's drunk is controlled and empowered by alcohol, we are to be controlled and empowered by the Holy Spirit. We are to be living under the influence. How about an L-U-I for the church? Live under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Today, tomorrow, the next day. And in the Greek, this is how it's written. Be ye continually filled. Be ye repeatedly filled. Oh God, we need this. Oh God, we thank you for this. Now I'm going to ask that anybody who wants the fresh filling of the Holy Spirit, you just get out of your seat and come forward. Just come to this altar and kneel. Begin to ask God to fill you with His Holy Spirit. Just, just cry out and surrender, repentance, faith. Say, God, I want all that you have for me. Fill me, Holy Spirit. Fill me, Holy Spirit. I believe it is important to verbally say this. Those of you watching online, get on your knees. And begin to say, fill me, God, with your Holy Spirit. It's important to verbally say that. I receive the filling of your Spirit. 
said, you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more, how much more does your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Just ask Him. Fill me, Lord. Fill me, Lord. Fill me, Lord. Manifest your presence however you would choose to. I receive all that you have, God. Just cry out to God. Fill you. Say, fill me with the Spirit. I want to live this thing called the book of Acts. It may look different, but I want all that you have for me. Prayer team, I want to invite you just to come and begin to lay hands on and pray over any of these people. Just for God's Holy Spirit to come in a powerful way. There's something special about the laying on of hands. I don't know what it is, but it is. It's in the Word. Those of you here at the front, just cry out to the Lord. Repent of any sin He showed you. Anything that's blocking His Spirit, confess that. Repent of that. Throw that at the cross. Receive His cleansing. Those watching online, cry out for the Holy Spirit. Wherever you are, He can do this wherever. You don't have to be here. You can be in your car. You can be in your living room. You can be on the beach. The Holy Spirit transcends human locations. You're watching in another country. Cry out for the filling. This is the key to a victorious, fruitful life. It's the filling of the Holy Spirit. It was what made the difference in the life of the apostles. upper room, wait upon the Lord, receive, receive, receive. Those of you in your seats, you can pray right there to be filled. Kneel where you're sitting, where you're at, just humbly come before God. Say, God, I want all that you have for me. You've seen it in the Word today. There's no reason to deny that this is still for today. Spirit, says the Lord. physical issue say God heal me God I receive your healing power sometimes he does sometimes he doesn't but I guarantee he won't if you don't ask (laughs) ask for healing Lord we just speak healing over those in the room and online who need that physically emotionally spiritually relationally God we see healings all over the book of Acts 
We know you are more than able. Tell you what, I'm going to ask our prayer team, some of our prayer team people to be over here to my left. If anybody wants somebody to pray for you for healing, I'd like to ask our prayer team to be over here on the left and just quickly, you don't have to get into any long thing. Just say, hey, I got a kidney issue, or hey, I got a heart issue, or hey, I got an anxiety, whatever. Just literally a phrase describing it, and then let them pray for you for healing. We're going to be doing this more and more. We have not because we ask not. You need healing on any front. I encourage you to get prayer just quickly. It won't be long. Just let them let somebody pray for you. Nothing to lose and everything to gain. <laughs> Some of you are feeling that nudge right now. You're just, you're just scared to get up. Come on, get up and get prayer. You'll benefit. You will benefit. Sometimes God just awaits us to just ask, to be humble enough to get prayer. We're not going to do anything weird. We're not going to embarrass you. But we are to be a praying church. Let's cry out to God for healing. Amen. Many coming. We need more prayer people. Some of our prayer team, if you're available, pray for these folks to be healed in the name of Jesus. It may be physical. It may be emotional. Oh, God, come and just lift that burden. Lord, would you come in a mighty way? Manifest your presence, we pray. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. We desire you in all your fullness. We thank you. We praise you. We love you. We embrace the Holy Spirit today. We give you glory and honor, God. Worthy is Jesus. Worthy is the Lamb. Oh, Holy Spirit, thank you for your ministry, for your presence, for your purity. Thank you that you came to glorify Jesus. May Jesus be exalted. The name above every name. The Lion of the tribe of Judah. The Great I Am. The Good Shepherd. The Alpha, the Omega. We exalt Jesus. We bind, rebuke, and command any evil spirits to be gone from this place and from every life here. In Jesus' name, we rebuke them. And God, we pray that you would fill us with your spirit. Fill us with your spirit, Lord. We desperately need your presence. God, we can't do it without you, but we can do it with you. Hallelujah. All things possible to him who's filled with the Holy Spirit. church is all about. A brother praying over the wall of compassion for lost people. People praying for brothers and sisters to be healed, to be filled with the Spirit. This is what I talk about when I say we don't, we're not here to play church. We're not here to just go through the motion. We're here to meet with God. This is what the body of Christ should be about all week, not just Sunday. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. prayer people gave me this word late last night. I submit it to you. I am doing a new thing in your midst. I am pouring out greater manifestations of my Holy Spirit. I'm responding to your desire and petitions for my full will to be done among you. Trust me. Yield to me. 
Open wide the doors of your hearts to receive as I unleash spirit giftings and power that you may know me better. Walk in the freedom of the Spirit and enjoy me as never before. Love and worship me with your whole being. Experience my love and glory anew as I take you into intimate, heavenly places where new wine flows, enabling you to be effective ambassadors of truth and healing. I hold you in the palm of my hand. Do not fear or be dismayed by anything around you because you have made me the most holy one, your dwelling place. I am covering you with my feathers and commanding my angels over you. Trust me and see my salvation. In all my ways, I am faithful to you, my children. My heirs to the throne, rejoice. Amen. Now I'm going to send you to the second part of our service today. Those of you getting prayer, don't don't, uh, let this keep you from that. Because with this being the second Sunday of our missions emphasis, we have a missions fair out in the yard, in the lawn. A number of ministries have tables. And so literally, we're ending early. Let me look. It's only 12.15. We usually go to 12.30. So it's, it's not for you to leave early. If you leave, you're being disobedient to your pastor. That's on your conscience. I'm just kidding. But we want you to stay. We want you to to take part in part two of the service. And I want you to do three things as you go out and experience the missions fair. Number one, thank God for the obedience of that ministry. Just thank him. Lord, thank you that this person is doing this ministry. Second, just familiarize yourself. Maybe ask them to share in one minute their ministry or look at their literature. Just become more familiar. And then third, just ask the Lord if there's something he might want you to do. Whether it's pray or somehow be involved or give them money, I don't know. But just say, Holy Spirit, is there anything here for me? And, you know, he may prompt you later. So as I dismiss you in a moment, you're going to go out and you're going to just peruse those tables in the lawn area. If you're a guest, by the way, go to the welcome station first under the pavilion. We have a free gift for you there. And bring that card that's on the seat pocket in front of you or register yourself out there so you'll be on our, uh, our distribution list of information for people in the church. But as you just go to those tables and just... Do that in a very spiritual, spirit-filled way. And then, and then you can take off. One more thing. At these two exits and in the lobby, there are this little blue booklet that explains more about the Holy Spirit. So if you want to go deeper, if you want something that will stir you even more, I encourage you to grab that and just meditate on it this week. Let's stand together, and as I give you the benediction, and then you'll go to the missions fair. You shall receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses, says Jesus, in Athens, in Georgia, in the United States, and to the ends of the earth for the glory of Jesus Christ. In his name, amen. You are dismissed.